This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside, can you smell what the Barack is cooking? Barack Davis, how you doing? Hey-o. It's been a while. It has been a while, Brock. It has been a minute. Have you golfed lately is the question. No, I've been so busy doing everything else. We're in the process of moving soon. I just got a dirt bike and working a lot and watching Angels games. I'm trying to fit everything in. And you guys have been doing a lot of late night podcasts, and I've been going to bed early, so it's uh, it's been uh, hard to get on consistently. But I'm here today, so <laughs> we're here to talk some ball. Yes, I'm excited to talk some Angels baseball with you because it has been a minute since we have talked. And let's start this off with a question. If anybody has been listening to this, you guys know that I like to start off all the podcasts with a question. I'm going to try to relate it to the night before, so. As you know, Rossell Iglesias came in in a 6-2 ball game, not a safe situation. Brock, would you have brought him in if you were managing? Yeah, I mean, why not? I think I think it's important for him to try to get in there as much as he can. Um, I'm not going to lie, I got pretty frustrated in the beginning. I don't remember exactly what game it was, but it was the game where he had the two throwing errors. I, oh, it was the White Sox. It was the first series. And um, I think... For him, it's it seems like a comfortability thing because you can tell when he's out there and he's on it that he has the stuff. He's proven statistically that he has the stuff to get out there and be the closer that we need him to be. And personally, I'm a, I'm a firm believer as a closer that most of the time you get three outs. And I think that regardless of a safe situation, if – as long as he's not going to go out there and throw a 30 pitch inning and make him, you know, not really eligible for the next day. I think it's important to try to get your closer out there every single night, every ninth inning, just get the three outs, try to make it quick so we could use you every night. And I think that's where closers get comfortable is when they can go out there and find the consistency. Um, And I was never a closer, so I can't really speak, you know, draw from personal experience, but just from the best closers out there, they have that job every night. The best closers out there, they go out there, get the three last three outs of the game every single night in the um, top of the ninth or bottom of the ninth, whatever, and they go out there and they do it every single night. So I think regardless of save situation, I think it's important to give Iglesias that consistency that he deserves. 
Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I was never a closer either. I just never had the right mentality. I also didn't throw very hard, so I just couldn't come into the game just punching people out like that. I, I like to start. I like to start always, so that that was mine. But when it comes to Jose Iglesias, I think that it's like an automatic use in save situations only. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he had issues in Cincinnati with something like this, where he was saved when he where he was used in non-save situations, and the ERA skyrocketed, and he complained about it. He actually, I think he actually started the season off like 0 and 5 or something like that. He he was like one in nine on the year and he had like seven losses in non-save situations where he'd come in and just blow it so I don't know if you know it's it's hard for as a pitcher to be picky when you're coming in the game but when you have that experience and you have that mentality like you know you're coming in in the ninth like Houston Street was that way 100% he he wanted the ninth and he was he wanted to go somewhere that he could close games out and that was him. That was Houston Street. And he did a great job of doing that. And I think Rasilla Iglesias is kind of the same way, in a sense. So if I had to answer it, am I going to put him in there? I would say maybe maybe save him, see what happens tomorrow night. But at the same time, four-run game, he did need some work. I'm okay with him going in there. It's If we were talking Nate right now, he would probably be a different answer but you know i i'm okay with it i i really am like I, he needed the work he needed to get it in so yeah anything else on this on this one brock that you uh that you saw with iglesias coming in no i just i mean i understand that stats are what they are but it just that mentality would frustrate me coming from a managerial standpoint of like okay well if i can't bring you in in the ninth with the lead then what, what are you there for and I get, I get the stats. Like I get it. it I, I don't know why they are the way they are, but if you're a closer, you're a closer, and the closer is supposed to come in at the ninth and shut the game down, regardless of lead or not. And if anything, it's weird that his stats have shown that because you would think, um, if you were to ask any other normal individual, that they would assume that they'd be reversed. Because when you have the bigger lead, there should technically be less pressure on you. And I don't know, some people thrive in the high-pressure situations, and that might be his case. Maybe he locks in more when he has to focus more. But, you know, coming from an athlete, and I'm sure you could attest to this too, the lead shouldn't really matter. You should be locked in and focused the equal amount regardless of lead. That's what athletes do. That's why you see guys go out there that have a 10-run lead and they're still going out there trying to smack the ball every time they go up to the plate because you're an athlete. That's what you do. So I don't understand why he's having that problem. But to me, I, I would view it as a manager. I wouldn't view it as a situation to avoid. I would view it as a situation to overcome because that's not really a good problem to have with, the, with your, quote, lockdown closer that you're like, oh, well, he has trouble when – we have a more than two run lead, so let's throw in another guy. Like I feel like that's a really weird problem to have and a problem to overcome and not avoid. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, like like I said, for me as a reliever, when I came in and relieved games, my mentality was, all right, I want to throw strikes here and I want to get guys out because I want to go home. <laughs> that that was always my mentality. Let's get home. I I'm, I, I didn't want to come in relief anyways which is a bad thing for me to say, but I didn't want to come in relief anyway, so let me just close this bad boy down and let's just get on with it, you know? So, yeah, that's that's just a mentality thing. I think that we'll see it as the year goes on. We'll kind of, 
I, it's going to be something that we're going to have to talk about multiple times, I think, because we saw it early in the year and it was just kind of an interesting thing. So guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and all the support you've given us. If you can subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, follow us on all of our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're having a lot of fun on all of them. And you can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tim's. You can follow Brock at B-D-R-O-X-8. And as always, guys, give us one minute to pay the bills. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to just pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Linen has you covered. They work directly with the manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without those luxury level markups. And Brookline is much more than just sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and so much more. So go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code BUDS, B-U-D-S, to get 25% off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. Check out the description box for more, but that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code B-U-D-S, all in capitals, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. All right, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling. And Brock, the Angels won last night. Big win. Big win. Yes, they they did. They did. They improved to 9-6 on the year, projected for 87.1 wins still. If you guys listened to the podcast last night, 87 and 75. The make the playoff percentage went up to 53.7%. And Brock, this team kind of feels a little bit different this year, doesn't it? Yeah, I would definitely say it does. It definitely feels different. And I will say Oakland's kind of scaring me with their whole 10 game winning streak. And it's odd to see Houston at the bottom of the division, losing eight of their last ten. But if you look at the standings, there's only two teams in in our division right now that have a positive uh, run differential, and that's us and Houston. (laughs) It's weird how that works out. We have a plus five, Houston has a plus two, and they're sitting at the bottom of the division. Which, with that being said, Houston had like a plus 30 through like their first six games or something like that. So I think that's why they're still sitting positive. But with us, it's been a more consistent, we've had a lot of close games already. And I think one of the bigger things that I've noticed so far through the first 15 games is our close games are winning a lot more of them. And I know that that's been a big problem that we've had in the last few years uh, because of bullpen, because of our closers that will have these close games and, we're losing them in the back in the back end. We'll get the lead, we get the confidence, and the next thing you know, we're losing by three, and it's the bottom of the ninth, and we can't make a comeback. So I've noticed that we've been holding our end. Uh, our bullpen's been doing really good. Our starters have been um, holding their ground. There's been a couple rough starts here and there, but for the most part, I've I've been pretty satisfied with what I've seen, uh, minus a couple tough spots. Um, Seattle's not going to hold their ground long-term. We all know that already. Um, But for sure, I think when it comes specifically down to the Angels and what we've seen so far, I think there's a different, I don't really know, chemistry. There's a different chemistry that you can see visually on the field, in the dugout. It just feels different. 
It really, really does. And that's something that I think we've mentioned all of spring was like, it just kind of feels different. And, and granted, we've said this the past five years, like, ah, oh, this team just kind of feels a little bit different, but there's actually something different. And I don't know if it's in the clubhouse. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. I, we're going to have to just kind of wait and see, you know, what, what it really is. And we may never know what it actually is. If maybe the clubhouse is a little bit different, maybe Albert Pujols kind of feels like his career is coming, winding down and he's been putting up a different perspective in the clubhouse because he's a big name in there. Jose Iglesias has been a lot of fun to watch. He's been a big team guy. Dexter Fowler was a big team guy before he got hurt. I know he's still hanging around the clubhouse even though he tore his ACL and it's just different. It really, really is. But let's get on to last night's game. What do you want to talk about first, the offense or Shohei Otani? Uh, we'll talk the offense first and leave Otani for last. Perfect. Yeah, a, a lot of good positive things to take away from the offense last night. The Angels actually led, had the top five exit velocities in last night's game. Trout's home run, Poole's home run, Jared Walsh had a single at 104 miles an hour, Justin Upton had a single at 104 miles an hour, and Kurt Suzuki hit a home run as well. Of course, Mike Trout went three for four, and... Man, dude, this offense has been a lot of fun. Even even last night against, or I guess two nights ago against the the Rangers again, the open uh, the opener, it just didn't feel like they were out of this game. It felt like they had a chance to come back and win, and they almost did on Monday night against the Rangers. And uh, again, it's it just feels a little bit different, man. It the the offense is clicking even without Rendon. Lagaris is not even in. Not even in. The Angels are playing with Scott Shebler. Luis Renifo, Jose Rojas, and man, Mike Trout is the best player in the AL. He actually surpassed everybody in Fangraph's war. He's up to 1.4. He's only behind Ronald Acuna by 0.2 at the moment, who's got 1.6, and Acuna's just been off to a hot, hot, hot start. So, man, the Angels just keep swinging the bat well, and they keep hitting the ball really, really hard. What do you what do you see with this offense, Brock? Yeah, I'm glad Suzuki finally popped out of his shell a little bit. I've been waiting for him to get his first jack. And he's uh he's only hitting two sixty with the seven thirty OPS. I think Iglesias was still kinda of waiting for him to crack out of his shell. He's hitting two sixty two with the five seventy six OPS, which we definitely know he's capable of more. And Pujols obviously he's hit his second jack, which is good to see. Um Trout, we couldn't expect anything less from him. Um there has been a lot of situations already where there's been some high, high tense situations that we that Trout comes up to the plate and he's already hit a jack in the game or he's already had a two run double or whatever it may be or even both and then he comes up with the bases loaded while we're down by one or two and it's like it's almost a situation where it's like well what else do you want this guy to do like he's already done this for us like do we really expect him to come up and you know get another clutch hit and it's like, even though he's Mike Trout, it's like you can only expect so much from the guy in a single game. And so I think it's it's important that we need to try to, um, not that it's you know by choice, but there's some times where we need the other guys to fill in the gaps that, that Trout and the other main guys can't. And so that's why it's important for Upton to hold up his ground. And he, he has been doing pretty good. He just had that grand slam the other night against Minnesota. Pujols has still been an RBI machine like he normally is. He's been doing pretty good. And uh, so I think we're kind of just waiting on, you know, 
Iglesias and Suzuki uh, to crack out of their shell. And Fletcher needs to get up to where he normally is. But Walsh has been killing it. Trout's been killing it, obviously. And Otani's been killing it, too. So I think it's it's mainly just the whole lineup coming together and kind of clicking all, you know, at one point and firing on all ends. And I don't think we've even seen, honest to God, I don't think we've seen 50% of what this lineup is capable of, to be honest. Because there's only really been three, maybe four names that have been living up to their potential. And that would be Walsh, Trout, uh, Otani, and upped in sometimes and I think it's just kind of more of a less of a situation of what he had been doing last season and the year before and now he's having moments that he's clutch and so I still think he has more in the tank than what he's been showing uh, but realistically Walsh, Trout, and Otani are really the only ones so far that have really been the spark plugs of this lineup and everyone else has kind of just been you know had a couple of uh, flashes or moments of greatness but hasn't had the consistency so when we get the consistency one through nine of this lineup even at a 75 percent capacity of all those guys it's going to be ridiculous eight ten run games all the time yeah i mean you mentioned jose iglesias getting hot he hit two balls that were 97.5 miles an hour which was i believe a ground out and 99.2 miles an hour which had a 0.7 uh 0.740 expected batting average according to baseball savant so that could have been something the those two swings might have been something that kind of you know clicks for him a little bit and gets him going i don't know he hasn't had a day off i don't believe yet though the angels have had some unscheduled days off and there is a day game today so not sure if he'll get the start or not but we'll just kind of have to wait and see and it, you never know I, I think that it could be the thing that kind of triggers jose iglesias to really start getting hot so on to the pitching side of things, and man, Shohei Otani is something else, man. He is he's crazy. It's the command again lacked tonight. the The line went as followed: four innings pitch, six walks, seven strikeouts, no runs, one hit. Brock, you were actually able to watch him. I unfortunately had to work. What did you see from him? Yeah, it's just the command. And it's been a pretty consistent issue so far through his two starts. And, you know, it's always hard to say, like, oh, well, if he could just get this one thing to click, then everything would just work out great. It's always hard to say the, say those kind of things about any pitcher or any hitter, really. But honestly, that's really been his only thing. He's been getting himself in these ridiculous jams and working himself out of it with strikeouts. But his his starts would be so much better and his stat line would look so much better if his command was not where it's at right now. If he takes away those six walks, he could have probably gone two more innings because they had him capped out of 75 pitches last night. Not the best example. But the problem is, is that literally you take away those six walks, how many pitches is he throwing in those in those at-bats? A lot. Probably those are probably getting counts that are worked and you you're at least getting one more inning out of them at least. And depending on how he works out of those uh, innings, he might even get two. So obviously you're going to get the longevity out of it. And if it's a start that he's not capped out at 75 pitches and he makes the same amount of walks, you could go seven, eight innings in a game and give you 10 to 14 Ks with that kind of consistency. If he's striking out seven and, and four, but you could tell that he's, 
he can lock in when he needs to. He walked the bases loaded in the first inning, and he worked his way out of it with two strikeouts following that. So he, he can lock in when he needs to, but the problem is just he's thrown way too many pitches, and I don't remember exactly, uh, I think only 37 of his 80 pitches were strikes, if I remember correctly. It was right around there. It was like 35 to 40 of his 80 pitches were strikes, so not even half of the pitches were strikes. So obviously you can't, you can't have a long quality start when you're not even throwing 50% of strikes. So once he gets that nailed down and everything else kind of comes together, I think he's going to be a, a real problem. Oh, 100%. I mean, we've been saying it forever. The stuff is there. The stuff is stupid. Like, he had 13 swings and misses tonight, which, again, is is, is something that's kind of interesting to me. I, I feel like maybe dial it back a notch every once in a while and pitch to contact. See if you can get Otani actually going late into games. The velocity was down a hair. I guess is what you could say, but then again, the fastball does have the blister issue that goes along with it, and that might be one of the issues why the fastball is down. I think we saw the fastball. If I had to you know, put a median to it right in the middle, it would probably, I'd say, 95 miles an hour. We saw him kick it up to 97.7, and we saw him as low as, I think, 92 miles an hour just as some get-me-over fastballs. So, yeah, I, I mean... It would be interesting also to see if Otani would ever start off with the 92 to 93 and kind of Justin Verlander it and kind of kick it up a notch every single inning. And then when you get to like the seventh inning or so, or when he gets into some trouble, you know, you can bring that 101 miles an hour and it's like, wow. And we've kind of seen that, I think, from Otani a little bit. And it's been a lot of fun when he does do that and he gets very, he gets very animated with it and it's a lot of fun. It's everybody super excited. But at the same time, I'd love to see him go deeper into games than just the fifth, fourth or fifth inning. I know he's on the pitch count tonight, but he still threw, I think it was 80 pitches through four innings, which is a lot. And if he expects to two-way at any point, both hit and pitch in the same game, he needs to get the pitch count down. And it might be something where it's like, well, let's maybe dial it in at about 95 to 97 miles an hour. And then, hey, when you need the 101, let's go after it and get it. So... Just my two cents on it. I, I think it's all there. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's probably a great candidate for MVP at the moment. I mean, minus Mike Trout, JD, uh, JD Martinez, and there's a couple other guys in the AL that have been doing great. But, man, like if, if he's not a top 10 vote getter, if he continues this, I would be absolutely shocked because he's, doing, he's, going, to do some, he's going to do stuff that, that just hasn't been seen in baseball in ever like we're talking Babe Ruth status, so yeah, I, I'm no, cool. Better than better than well, Babe Ruth is pretty damn good. Let's let's be fair, but like that's the best guy to compare him to because he's Babe Ruth's one of the only guys that has ever really hit and pitched in a full season like this. So and even that's unprecedented. Like Babe Ruth played in an era where I don't want to get into this because fastballs weren't as fast. I mean, it's just insane to see what Otani's doing. Babe Ruth wasn't throwing 100 miles an hour like Otani's doing. He yeah. didn't have the discussion. That's why it's not comparable. Yeah, it's it's just not fair. Like I said, I, I, I want to... a hot dog and drinking a, drinking a pint of beer and then getting on the mound. Yeah. Like, I, I want to compare him to Babe Ruth. I do, but it's, it's, it's tough because it's just such a different era. And, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. So, any final thoughts on the Otani thing before we get on to a little bit of minor league news, I guess? Yeah, so, I mean, if you sift through the walks and you really kind of deep... or 
dive a little bit deeper into the the stats that you kind of want to be looking at, you know, if he can get his command down. He's he's given up a 103 slugging percentage through two starts, 469 OPS, which with that being said, that accounts to a 366 on base percentage because of the amount of walks that he's had. But 469 OPS, even with the amount of walks, a 14.5K per nine, a 3.12 hit per nine, and a 3.1 run score per nine. So if you really sift through, and that's through 41 batters faced. So if you really sift through the command, because his walk per nine is like 11.5. So obviously that's super not maintainable. But he's only given up a 200 average against his opponents, which is not insanely good, but not terrible. Um, his K's are there. It's just, it's literally just the command right now is the only thing that we've seen that has really been concerning. So, yeah. And one last thing before we get going on to some minor league news, which not a whole lot of minor league news, but in the post game report last night, I think Alden Gonzalez said it pretty well. Uh, asked Otani about the control, and he said that it was zero out of one hundred. So, I mean, that's how he thinks about it. We he knows Otani knows that the control is not there when he's when anybody's throwing eighty pitches in four innings. There's there's something a little bit wrong there. When you're walking six guys in four innings, there's something wrong there, and the stuff's there. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch down the road. So, minor league news. I don't really have any. I just kind of you know wanted to say it, but I will give you guys a player to watch. I'm going to continue to tra- kind of give players to watch as we continue to roll forward towards minor league season, which I believe is two weeks away from starting. And somebody to watch for in, hopefully, Inland Empire is where he'll be going. Jack Kachanowicz, right-handed pitcher, 6'5", 6'6". Could be a lot of fun to watch. I might actually be the opening day starter in Inland Empire. So if you're looking to get tickets for opening day, you'll see a pretty good little matchup there if he does start crossing our fingers that he does so. So on to previewing to the game today, which is a 107 start. We have Jose Quintana going against Mike Fultonavich, and it just kind of feels like the Angels have hit Fultonavich pretty well. I don't know how you kind of feel about that or not before we get on to the pitching matchups, but it kind of feels like the Angels have hit Fulty pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. I feel I feel pretty good going into today's game for sure. Yeah, so for the season, Quintana's thrown in five innings, has a 16.2 ERA and a 3.69 FIP. Fultonavich has thrown six innings to a 5.63 ERA and a 6.47 FIP. Brock, what are the keys for Jose Quintana today to get off of, you know, to get back to spring training for him and get out of this little funk that he's been in the last two starts? Because I know we were talking about it beforehand but kind of want to bring it up kind of guess now well i think his uh you know as gooby likes to say the keys to the game i think his biggest thing is getting these past two starts behind him especially because i think the one against toronto was kind of fluky a little bit uh for those who watched it it was the game that there was that slight interference challenge that did not go in our favor and the rest of the inning just kind of went to crap. He walked into two runs and then gave up a bases clearing double to Gritchick. So realistically, that's that's five runs to me that that could have possibly been avoided just because of the mental degrading that Quintana went through that inning from that call. Um, I think a lot of people 
don't think about those things. They just think about the numbers on the piece of paper, but don't realize that, you know, he thought he was going to be getting out of that inning fairly easily. And then that call happens and then it's just, it sucks. And so I want him to put his past two starts behind him and start fresh tomorrow. Um, I hope that our offense can give him some run support against Fulton and it's going to be a little bit easier on Quintana to kind of get out of that, that mindset of how he's performed in the last two starts. And other than that, as far as him, I think it's just the command, uh, kind of similar to Otani that needs to get in a check. And I think if he could keep his command within reason and just try to go out there and pitch as many innings as he can and gets the run support, puts the last couple starts behind him, I think that not only does he have a good chance of having a way better start than he has the last two games, but he has a good chance of getting a win. Yep, and by command, what Brock means, seven walks in the five innings that he's pitched. Also has seven strikeouts, so that would probably be why his FIP is so low as well. Kind of a tough luck pitcher in a sense. I know he's given up 10 hits, uh, nine runs, or nine earned runs, 11 runs in total, which would would account for the 16.2 ERA. But yeah, it, it, day game, the ball's going to maybe fly a little bit. I know it's supposed to be a little bit cooler out, a little overcast for today's game. And we'll just kind of see how it works. Hopefully, Quintana pitches the contact today and, you know, gets ahead early, stays ahead early, and the offense continues to roll. So, Brock, any final thoughts before we let everybody go? Uh, Well, I'm going to say that Otani is going to most likely be back in the lineup today. And I'm going to say that both Otani and Trout are going to hit a home run in today's game. I'm totally cool with that. I'm I'm all for it. I love watching Otani hit home runs because they go a long way, and Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. So there's that. Final thought for me: Quintana's going to pitch well. You know he's he's going to get off the uh, he's going to get off the his schneid a little bit, and it's going to be it's going to be a good start for him, and it's going to be real fun to watch. So guys, as in fact, always, how about this? I think they're going to go back to back. I like that. I I hope that happens. You know, and Jared Walsh right behind him, and Rendon's right around the corner from coming off the DL. So. It'll be a lot of fun, and this offense is going to hopefully continue to click and continue to click all year. So, guys, as always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. Leave us a review if you can. Let us know how we're doing. We'll shout you out on here, as always. And go follow me on Twitter, at Jared underscore Tims. Go follow Brock on Twitter as well, at B-D-R-O-X-8. And you can follow us on any social media. Just look up Talking Halos. So, guys... As always, have a great rest of your day.